Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block on Facebook Live, hosted by our full complement of Ed Ed, Mike, Gina, and myself, Steve. As always, following the conclusion of the show, we will also be up as a podcast on anywhere where you find your podcasts. Please share any feedback you may have about the show to our email address, which is the Conservatarian Exchange at LibertyBlock.com. Good afternoon, all. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon, guys. Hey. Okay. I guess since there's so much going on, we will start with the State of the Union speech, which I am proud to say I did not watch. Um, you can raise your hand if you watched it. And Dude, I made popcorn. I, I, Come on. I made popcorn. I had to watch it. <laughs> I was taking notes. I was kind of just counting how many times he could lie. My husband laughed at me. I was so, I'm not going to say irate, but I was very agitated watching it. Uh, it was a good time. So sure. I want to ask you, first of all, how do you feel, Gina? How do I feel? I feel liberated. No, um, I am just more and more disgusted with him each day. Um, but seeing all of the rebuttals back after his state of the union, I am more confident that the Democrat party is more and more divided. So in that part, I feel great. Um, cause he didn't have a lot of support from the democratic party, except for like Schumer when he kind of stood up and then sat back down and would get back up. So otherwise, yeah. I'm not sure what that was. Did I miss it? I'm just imitating a certain uh, house speaker. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Was that the, I thought that was, is that her teeth clacking? I, I don't know. Anyway, so that part was entertaining for me. But like I said, um, listening to like Rashida Tlaib's um, speech afterwards, going against the State of the Union, just, yeah, they're divided more than ever. The fact that, you know, Biden has to sit there and now, use key Republican speaking points uh, just because we're getting so close to the midterms and they are so divided is just absolutely wonderful. And it shows you how weak of a party they are. Okay, Mike, can you top that? Uh, no, I definitely can't ever top Gina, come on. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I watched it before the show just to be prepared. And, um, you know, I used to watch these State of the Unions when a Democrat was in office and just, you sit there and get mad and, now I just laugh. I mean, it's just so hysterical to try to convince people of the objective reality that they live in every day doesn't exist. And there's a different world that we just haven't seen until, uh, you know, the rhetoric comes at us for an hour. So, I mean, it's just, it's, I just find it all kind of amusing and ridiculous at, that, at this point. Except for, unfortunately, a whopping percentage of this country, 20, 30, 40, does see that reality and live in that reality. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if anybody really believes anything that's coming out of uh, Biden's mouth uh, during that speech. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, let me tell you, it, it was quite funny. So I work for a pro-life organization uh, part time and I was out the other day. I think it was yesterday. It was yesterday. I'm sorry. And anyway, so I'm out and I start saying something to this guy. And I'm like, hey, I'm Gina. And I was blah, 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 blah. And anyway, he started going crazy. Um, he's like, if you elect more of them Trump people, you're going to destroy the country. Da, 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 da. And he is just letting me have it. And I'm just laughing, like literally laughing. And I can't say nothing bad back to the guy. But I'm like, dude, do you see what we're living in right now? 
do you see what the last 14 months or however many months has brought us? Like what are these people are disillusioned a hundred flipping percent. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I just had to put that in. I mean, they are, they're living in an alternate reality. Yeah. But they think we are. So I think one of the more amusing parts was when Biden, Biden went off about ill-begotten gains by, you know, some of the, the Russian oligarchs and things like that. And I'm sitting here like, you mean like how you and your son have ill-begotten games from, uh, from Ukraine? And did you see, your, your did you watch Kamala Harris behind him? That, oh, when he said Uranian. Yeah. Just watching her facial expressions. It's almost like she was sitting there like, please don't mess up. Please don't mess up. Like she just, that's all you could see on her face. But yeah, yeah. just watching the people. So you guys did miss a good show because watching the people's mouths that yeah. were in the audience watching it, it, it was entertaining for sure. Hi, Wayne. Hi there. Would it be sexist of me to uh, comment on Lauren Boebert's dress message? I didn't see that. Tell us what she had on her dress. Am I the only one? I didn't even watch the speech. She had drill baby drill on it. Oh, good for Lauren. So uh, welcome, Mr. Wayne. Hi there. How are Great to meet everybody. Um, great to participate. How are you? I understand you are uh, our Canadian reporter for the day. <laughs> yes, I'm a Canadian foreign correspondent on the show. <laughs> okay. Um, as a yes, would you like to uh, correspond? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I wish I was in uh, Florida and listening to DeSantis uh, today, um, chastising people wearing the masks. I would much prefer to be in, in Florida than under uh, Doug Ford's um, regime here in Ontario. Uh, but I could tell you a lot about Canadian politics because I know a lot about it. Um, going back to the 90s, getting involved with the Freedom Party. Uh, that's a provincial-based party, uh, Bob Metz and Robert... Um, and, um, Mark Emery, he's a pretty infamous, infamous name <laughs> in the United States, um, as well as, um, and um, also the PPC uh, federally. I, I ran in the, um, in the Toronto Danforth riding in, Ontario, in Toronto here. Um, so I've uh, got some federal experience and um, yeah, so I'm, I definitely know a lot about the political scene here in Canada. Okay, so are you a backer of Trudeau? <laughs> Never. Um, no, I'm, I was 18. Uh, I must confess, I, I'm old enough to have voted for John Turner. Um, and I, and I, you know, I wish I had never done that. <laughs> but then again, I had, I could have voted for Brian Mulroney. And there was a whole, after Brian Mulroney, there was a whole revamping of the Conservative Party. It was progressive conservatives. Then it became the Reform Party. There was a Conservative Party. Then they formed, um, the, um, the, the they just reformed the Conservative Party and Ontario here we call it Progressive Conservative Party. Uh, it's it's an absolute mass progressivism. I mean, it's I, I don't know. Could we, could you tell uh, me in you know three sentences what your view of Stephen Harper is? But because from down here he looked pretty good. I'm oh yes, um, on some issues. So he's sort of um, a lukewarm Republican. Um, almost like a Romney, um, you know, he's so, which means he's a rhino, a, a Canadian version of a rhino. Um, these, so Stephen Harper, uh, he was, he's a globalist. Um, 
he never um, the 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 actual environmental environment minister. Um, uh, he was very much opposed to going and, and getting involved with the Paris Accord and that sort of thing. But um, Stephen Harper sort of went along with the you know migration compact. He went along like the immigration levels are still very high in Canada under um, Stephen Harper. Um, he would you know he'd speak. Uh, I guess he would talk about Islamic extremism in Canada. So he would he would definitely be he's a, obviously opposed to that, pushing back against some of the you know radicalism that that uh, that um, obviously um, Trudeau is a is a, a complete capitulator to to um, the the leftist agenda because he's a leftist. Um, so Stephen Harper had a bit of pushback, but he was obviously not far enough. Uh, immigration levels are still ridiculously high. PPC, we want to reduce the uh, immigration levels to 100,000 uh, 100, um, as opposed to, you know, uh, it's like 250,000 to, to, like, I, I think Trudeau wants to go up to a, a million, like, up to, like, a, a, like, a really high level uh, in the next couple of years or something. And he's, uh, the, with Harper, there was no, um, it, it, there's no interviewing. So it's just, it, it's, we, what the PPC wants to do is have a face-to-face -face interview and screen people that come into the country. Um, this isn't, you know, this isn't something that even Harper, uh, Harper did. Um, and then there was, there was a movement, um, Kelly Leach in the conservative party, she started pushing back. Uh, and this is when uh, Bernier was still a part of the conservative party. And there was a movement of sort of talking about Canadian values. And so if your values don't, you know, um, there's no, uh, symmetrical or cultural relationship uh, with, you know, those values, you shouldn't be allowed in Canada. And this is not, you know, this is really controversial. I mean, um, um, Salim Mansour, who's a, a Muslim, um, he's, he agrees with the idea that we should have um, some type of cultural, you know, value test. You know, if, if you don't correspond to our values, we should, in fact, many years ago, he advocated for a moratorium on immigration. Uh, because we weren't, uh, we were bringing in a lot of people that weren't, you know, uh, compatible to our values. And Wayne, can I, we're not, Wayne, uh, I want to bring you back. Want to touch Salim Mansour, and he's with the, uh, with the PPC. Just to show you, he's a Muslim, uh, a, a progressive Muslim. He has, there's an organization called Muslims Facing Tomorrow. He's a part of that uh, with others. Uh, they're Muslims, and they, the conservatives won't touch them. So the conservatives are, are basically leftists in Canada, just to, to, to drive that point home. Wayne, I want to, um, I tell you what, we'll come back to Canada in a minute because I want to finish up on the state of our union or disunion. Um, Ed M., you want to weigh in on the state of the union speech? On the speech itself, I thought it was very flat. I didn't think it was convincing. I didn't think it was convincing even to the people he was trying to convince. Um, I thought that there were a couple of places where if the Republican Party were a real opposition party, we'd see commercials today or tomorrow. Uh, for instance, uh, I can think of two off the top of my head. Uh, Biden's, Biden said, I will never stop trying to vaccinate the American people. That should be a clip. That should be a 15 second commercial saying, and the Republicans should be saying, we will never let you do that. And we will, we will stand with the American people who don't want to take this vaccine or something like that. That should be a commercial. And then relatedly, in the same part of the speech, he said that uh, 
I know parents or parents with their children under five years old are waiting for these vaccines to get approved and, and our scientists are working hard to do it. And as soon as they can, then you can get your vaccines. Again, that should be another commercial. They should be blaring that across the airwaves. Biden wants your five-year-old child. He wants your infant child vaccinated and he doesn't care whether you want it or not. And that, that should be a commercial. They should be blaring that message out. That's how, that, and that's how you win. And even though there's a little bit of exaggeration in the way I'm characterizing it, that's the way politics is played. That's the way the Democrats play. You should make them have to defend that. Make them say, oh, no, no, no. We want them to have the choice. Okay, that's all we want anyway. So, uh, and there were other instances as well. I mean, he, he made a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of talk about the gaffes, but to me, some of the things that he said that he really meant were really awful. And they were, you know, they were the kinds of things that a real opposition party should be able to easily take advantage of. Um, I, I didn't see any of the rebuttals. I turned it off as soon as he was done. And um, so I can't really comment on any of that. But uh, I don't think the State of the Union is very strong at all. Um, you know, it's not coincidental that this channel talks a lot about secession and disunion. disunion. What union? What Pardon? union are we? What union are we talking about? What union is strong? What union is there? The United States Union. Ah. So I have a question. Should we take solace in the fact that he did not say a kilo of Ukrainian people? He's not really a globalist. True. Good point. Okay, Ed P. Your quick thoughts on the State of the Union? Didn't watch it. I I was going to watch it this morning on YouTube, but I had uh, teleconferences all day, so I didn't see it. All I saw was the clip where he talked about uh, with Kev uh, being surrounded. uh, um, They will never. uh, The Russians will never get the hearts of the. Iranian people. That's the only thing I saw that clip. Yes, like I said, uh, Putin. Putin's probably cowering in fear this morning after that. He didn't see when he said he's going. He can't build a wall high enough to keep out the vaccine. I did not see that. That's funny. That's good. Um, again, I, I cannot watch a State of the Union. I think you had mentioned offline about it's just a ridiculous show of people jumping up and down, not necessarily at the right time. I could watch the political nonsense being spouted by politicians. I really could. But the, it's the clapping, the partisan clapping and cheering and standing and sitting. And I just I, I literally can't on my blood pressure. I would die. I would literally die if I sat through something. Like that. Can we assume nobody tore up the speech? <laughs> and he was announced as the president of the United States with pomp and circumstance, et cetera. So he did reunite the country. So I guess that part is good. And some of the Republicans did boycott, I understand. I did yeah. not know that. Who did? They canceled him? No, they there didn't. Was, there was up. a the large PM amount group. that did not. There was a large amount of Republicans. I don't remember which ones did not show up, but there was a very large amount. Oh, the one thing I did see, I'm sorry. But 15 minutes after the speech, uh, Ben Shapiro did a sort of a, a oh, yeah, yeah. 11 or 12 minute response. Not entirely off the top of the head. He had some notes that he had done, but it wasn't written in advance. And it was, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Ben Shapiro, but it was perfect. It was spot on, yeah. And um, in the pre-show, he and his buddies were talking about the fact that um, 
the reason why something that that good could never come from the Republicans is because the Republican quote unquote response is written weeks in advance and it has to be approved by every loser in the Republican Party hierarchy. And they all want to take out everything that could possibly be quote unquote offensive. And you get this bland, um, you know, we can do better uh, BS. And, uh, you know, if honestly, I just hire Ben Shapiro next year. You know, or because he's just so much more articulate than anybody in the in the GOP, or anybody um, that they would let speak for the GOP. Yeah, anybody they'd let speak for the GOP. So I do highly recommend that. It's still on YouTube, um, on the uh, Ben's channel. Okay, so can we move overseas? Um, I, we got to talk about Ukraine because I got to talk about Ukraine. Um, I believe that the war started right after our show last week. I'm sure that was not a coincidence. I'm sure I made a, uh, a prediction that there would be no war because yes, I've been so wrong on so many things so often that I figure it must have just been because of me. Yeah, I believe we were pretty strongly convinced that even if there would be a war, there's no way it would be outside the Donbass, the eastern region. I still have no idea how it makes sense for him to try and conquer the whole country. But among the questions, because I'm not even sure how I feel about many of these things, um, leaving aside why we didn't predict it correctly, the big question seems to be what should the United States do about it, if anything? Um, sanctions, cyber war, um, kind of neutral, sort of wishy-washy sanctions. What happens if we would do nothing? Um, I'm a little curious why Putin keeps calling everybody Nazis, especially Jewish people, but that's a minor issue. And one of the things that's ticking me off the most, I guess, because I still live in New York City and pay all kinds of taxes, why exactly are we funding the UN? So, yeah. um, Mike, since you're on the top left of my screen, I'm going to let you address some of the Ukraine questions. What should we or should we not be doing and why? Listen, I, I don't have a problem with the, the sanction regime being levied against them, but I don't know what else we can do other than, you know, fortify our positions, if you will, in some of these NATO countries. Um, you know, the, you know, the issue too, I mean, I know we're talking about what we can do, but, you know, I, I think that's what, what's happened here isn't black and white. I don't think Ukraine is totally innocent. We're not totally innocent to have brought us to this point because NATO has, gradually crept closer to the Russian borders. And I, and I do think, um, you know, that that is something that was a red line for, Put for Putin. I think there's a lot of other issues that have been going on with those other um, breakaway portions of the country with Crimea. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I don't think that we can sit here and say that this didn't happen because uh, in some respects we made really bad choices ever since the fall of the Berlin Wall and our dealings with, with Russia and specifically with Putin. But I, I don't know what else we can do. Certainly a no-fly zone is a non-starter. I think Jen Psaki at least even said that that was pretty much an, not gonna happen. I mean, that would be literally war with Russia and we just, you know, nobody wants that. We can't get to that point. So, you know, a lot of it's gonna, I think, depend too on what he does right now, how far he goes. But to me, he wants to install a puppet government there. Uh, I don't I don't know that he's crazy enough to go any further than that, but we'll see. Okay, I'm not convinced yet if I'm an isolationist or not, but what do we do about the fact that once again, America promised 
to not leave Ukraine high and dry when they agreed to give up their nukes? And what does that mean for the rest of the countries in the world who are going to go out there and get nukes? Because one thing you can never do is trust the United States. No, you can't trust us at this point, right? Right. So isn't that going to have more nuclear proliferation because of that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing about the United States is you can trust us if we, we sign and ratify a treaty most of the time. 99% of the time, if we sign and ratify a treaty the way the Constitution specifies, you can trust us. But if we just, if some president makes promises, uh, don't trust it. We've lost well, our moderator. <laughs> well, as far as as far as the Budapest Mem Memorandum, which is the 1994 agreement that Steve refers to, first of all, times change. I don't think it's meant to be a permanent change to our to our history, and I don't think it was a smart thing at the time. I mean, I don't I don't remember what I was thinking in 1994, but why would we ever guarantee the security of a of a state that's on the border of Russia? I mean. Well I mean, there, there are two, you know, everything goes back to World War II and everything in that goes back to World War I, right? So um, mm -hmm. the war aims of the Western allies in World War II started off with the guarantee of a free Poland. Correct. And so when Poland became free, it was, you know, after... You know, Stalin had promised that the yeah, know, Poland never became free. The Red Army occupied it and it went from one controlled by the Nazis to controlled by the Soviets. It was there was. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, you had, you had there the was uprising a, there in the, was a in the Polish, summer in August a, of 1944. The Red Army sat across the river. There, there was, was an uprising Polish, and the Nazis crushed it. And then the Soviets came in. The, there was a Polish government after the war um, that the Soviets quickly displaced. But the point is, the war aim was a free Poland. So after the Berlin Wall fell, it was only natural for the United States and, and Britain uh, and France to sort of gobble up that World War II um, war aim uh, by extending NATO to Poland. When we did that, then everybody else was like, well, damn, <laughs> we, we want that too. And especially the Baltic states, which again, the Russians had, uh, had taken after, uh, you know, after the communists took over after World War I. So, once that was once that was done, it it just sort of exploded. And you know whether it's a good thing or not, um, I think we all have to understand that unless they unless the Ukrainians and the Russians make peace, um, there is going to be a wider European war. And uh, I, don't I think can that's talk necessarily true. I can talk about that if you want me to, or we can talk about something else. But the thing is that. In any war, the first thing you have to look at is a map. Um, and I've been doing nothing over the last week but looking at maps. And the, uh, the thing is that if the Russians, you know, suppose the Russians come back from their terrible showing and, and, and conquer the east of Ukraine and uh, conquer Kiev and install a puppet government, but that the West... Western Ukraine does not surrender. You know, if the puppet government says, everybody lay down your arms and, and welcome the Russians as our glorious brother overlords and the people in Western Ukraine do nothing. Um, and the Russians move heavy um, forces sort of into Western Ukraine. 
I think that's going to panic the crap out of the Poles, the Slovaks, and the Hungarians. I, I think from their standpoint, just from their standpoint, they cannot tolerate that. They cannot tolerate heavy. Who's they? The Poles, the Slovaks, and the Hungarians. They cannot, they won't tolerate heavy. Are they going to fight or is NATO going to fight or is the United States going to fight? I have a feeling that uh, it's going to be number one, they're going to fight. Two, then NATO's going to fight. And three, then the United States is going to fight. And the reason is because it's just, it makes them too vulnerable. The other thing Putin says is, well, they, he, he wants a, a friendly, which is, you know, reasonable, completely disarmed, which is utterly unreasonable, um, and uh, neutral uh, Ukraine. The problem is they had a friendly, mostly disarmed and neutral Belarus. That's what happened. They had, it was friendly. It was, you know, their, their army is crap, way worse than the Russian army. And, uh, and it was neutral. Like it wasn't, it wasn't on in NATO, but it wasn't, you know, uh, aligned. And what happened to them? Like in 30 minutes, they became the Russian allies and Russian troops have occupied Belarus. So it, there, there's no way, it just, it's not going to happen that they're going to allow Western Ukraine to become disarmed and neutral and friendly to Russia. They're just not going to do it. And they're going to, and I'll tell you what, the way the Russian army is performing, the entire Russian invasion force could be destroyed in 48 hours by uh, Western, um, Western air power. They are so completely, utterly performing terribly. And I think if they move uh, tanks and artillery, especially artillery, into Western Ukraine, that's what's going to happen. The, the Poles will just go in and destroy them. And uh, God knows what happens then. I want to take another, the other side. And, and, if, and if I may, I have a little rant I want to get on because I, I think that Putin, let me preface by saying if I wind up disappearing, I'm going to be in the gulag for all the pro-Putin people. Okay, so come find me. <laughs> right? This is utterly ridiculous. I, there is Putin has no designs on Poland. He has no designs on any of these other countries. He is being made out to be a a Hitler by by the by the mainstream media and by the Biden administration. Well, that and, is not and, true. But you keep going, and I'll I'll refute you can, later. You can rebut me when I'm done. I, I watch what's been going on in the last week, and I am looking at people who for the last two years had no problem identifying the lies for COVID that the, the media and, and, the, and the government were giving us. And all of a sudden, they take at face value everything that's being said about Putin and everything that's being said about Ukraine. Ukraine is not some Jeffersonian democracy. Ukraine is a bastion, a hub of corruption, not just, not just for Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, but for Pelosi, for Romney, for various other members of the elite. It is a hub of sex trafficking, child trafficking, drugs, all sorts of horrible vices. Okay, it is it is the West's equivalent of Afghanistan, and and it's being sold as if it's some Jeffersonian democracy, and it's not. They, you, could, they, you can describe America right now in a lot of those ways, Ed. Okay, <laughs> just want to let you know. Maybe so, maybe so, but. <laughs> This narrative is completely and utterly false, and it's designed to stir us into a frenzy. What's what's going on right now? We've got sanctions against Putin. 
what are those sanctions going to do? They're going to they're going to lead to the shutting off of natural gas and get and oil to, to the Western Europeans. Well, yeah. does that sound like it's against the Democrats agenda? No, that's what the Democrats want. Mm-hmm. This is all a ruse to hurt us, to make us do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. So, well, even, look, even I Germany Ed, even Germany won't get involved because Germany has a, a relationship with a, an oil company out of out of uh, a pipeline that's going through. Yeah, but that company's already pulled their workers and they've pulled the contract. That's the Swedish company, I believe. And they've pulled their contract and their workers from Nord Stream. Putin is such a bad guy. Why hasn't he shut the spigot off already? I mean, if I were him, I would shut that spigot off. If they told me, oh, well, you can't sell, you can't sell to the West. You can't, we're going to freeze your Western assets and your dollars. I'd say, oh, good. Let's see if you can heat your homes. Let's see if you can get your air conditioning going. Let's see if you can drive your cars. Let's see if you can run your factories without our gas and without our oil and see who's going to win and who's going to cry uncle. Well, it's okay? all good because it's all going to go to China because they're not imposing any sanctions. Well, on and China is so another good. interesting aspect of this story because mm-hmm. I think I think China Joe is, is controlled by China. And I think the Chinese are playing both sides here. And here's here's how I, I think if if Putin wins, they're all for sticking their thumb in, in, in America's eye and weakening the Western allies. But if if Putin, if Putin's government collapses, which is something that the narrative has been talking about since about Monday, that maybe it's going to collapse, that the sanctions are so strong that it's going to destroy the ruble and it's going to destroy the Russian economy. Well, everybody's been focused on China maybe invading Taiwan. Maybe China is going to invade north into the Russian Far East and take over all those minerals and, and probably missiles that are out in, in that part of the country. The Chinese and the Russians have had a long history of feuding in, in that part of the world. It's one of the most fortified borders in the world. Uh, I think China is playing both sides. And no matter who wins, they're, they're going to come out on top. Well, of um, course. But let's let's step back for a moment. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have agreed with you on uh, Ukraine being Amer- uh, the European Afghanistan. Uh, you're, uh, both Ukraine and Russia are ruled by corrupt oligarchs. Um, although so is the United States. And the, the Afghans fell, the, uh, the, the Afghans wouldn't fight for the US quote unquote puppet regime. They just wouldn't fight for it. They didn't like it. And it was all uh, very much woke, you know, as, uh, attempting to impose wokeism on the Afghanis. And I figured, and Putin figured, and everybody figured, that the Ukrainians would uh, roll over and I disagree. basically- No, surrender. I disagree totally with that. that. That buys the narrative that I just disagree with. Putin is not looking for conquest. Does history look at JFK as some sort of bad guy for, for creating and precipitating the Cuban Missile Crisis? All no, right, let's, let's he's a look. hero. If China wanted to set up bases in Mexico, right on America's border, would we tolerate it? Absolutely not. Well, we're not, the, the United States does not, has not, now or ever um, said that they were going to put in missile. uh, uh, They're insisting that Ukraine come into NATO, even though Ukraine doesn't want it. Germany doesn't want it. Western Europe doesn't want it. Russia says it's a red line. But the Biden team says we're not taking it off the table. uh, uh, Yeah. okay. Biden corrupt. Got it. Don't. Uh, United States bears a lot of responsibility for getting us into the situation, but the situation but more than is- that. I think Putin had some val- had a totally valid interest. Would we tolerate bases in, 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 across the border in Mexico? 
I think that we would not. But on the other hand, I we didn't have any bases in Ukraine. So that's he but was, that was the proposal. The threat was there. And by the way, if we had bases in Mexico, if Russia had bases in Mexico, would we invade the entire country or we would seek to right. take out that base? Now, let's get let's get to the real thing prison. that we didn't know two weeks ago and three weeks ago. And that is this uh, article that was uh, published in a multiple Russian uh, newspapers um, and then sort of uh, on day two and then then taken down when Ukraine did not uh, fall and the people started fighting. I'm going to quote from some of it. This is basically this is Putin's position. Russia is restoring its unity. The tragedy of 1991, this terrible catastrophe in our history, its unnatural dislocation has been overcome. Note the past tense, right, because they were publishing it. Uh, when Ukraine was going to fall. Yet at a great cost, yes, through the tragic events of a virtual civil war, because now brothers separated by belonging to the Russian and Ukrainian armies are still shooting at each other, but there will be no more Ukraine that is anti-Russia. Russia is restoring its historical fullness, gathering the Russian world, the Russian people together in its entirety of great Russians, Belarusians, and little Russians. If we had abandoned this, if we had allowed the temporary division to take hold for centuries, then we would not only betray the memory of our ancestors, but we would also be cursed by our descendants for allowing the disintegration of the Russian land. Uh, now, who does this sound like, right? So let's continue. Uh, but that doesn't say anything about invading and here, Poland let me, or Romania. Let me finish. Let me finish. Go here ahead. begins the second dimension, concerns the Russians' relations with the West. Not even Russia, but the Russian world, that is three states, Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine, are acting in geopolitical terms as a single whole. The West sees the return of Russia to its historical borders in Europe, and he is loudly indignant at this, although in the depths of his soul, he must admit to himself that it could not be otherwise. Did someone in the European capitals in Paris and Berlin seriously believe that Moscow would give up Kiev? That the Russians will forever be a divided people? And that at the same time, when Europe is uniting, when the German and French elites are trying to seize control of European integration from the Anglo-Saxons and assemble a united Europe, forgetting that the unification of Europe became possible only thanks to the unification of Germany, which happened according to the good Russian will to swipe. I mean, do you see the mustache growing? Right. When you read this, right. All you can see is like Putin talking and the, the mustache, mustache growing, just no. growing here. He is. He is using this, and if you go on and read the whole thing, which I recommend to you, uh, you'll see that it has nothing to do with NATO. It's not saying anything about NATO. It's not saying about- an where, did, where was this ad again originally posted? This was originally posted in a number of Russian newspapers simultaneously on day two and then taken so, down. So, so do you not think that they could have just put that out there? No, and I think that was out? their. I think that was their sort of victory speech, you, you know. That, or, or or it was not their victory speech, and they're using it to play a group of people like everybody else well, over they, the they, last two years. Think one thing and do the other. They put it out, and then when it when it became obvious that the the Ukrainians were going to fight, they pulled it back. And the the thing is, like I I I, I you know. I don't like calling people Nazis um, because it's everybody's a Nazi, right? Um, but uh, this is their rationale. It's not NATO. It's not bases. It's not missiles. It's not. It's Greater Russia. It's you know this is 
This is the well, I read Don that Bass article. Is, they did look, talk about breaking up the the NATO and when when Hitler demanded the Sudetenland, one could, you know, if we know now that Hitler was a bad guy, but then you could say, well, you know, it was German and there were Germans, all Germans there and there are no Czechs there and it's all German and the Germans want to unify and let's give them that. And so what did he do like a month after they took over the Sudetenland? Oh, well, we're going to well, take over all of Czechoslovakia. And that's exactly what Putin's doing. Well, so no, it's but not, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, historically, there's some differences. I mean, as a military matter, first, first of all, it was September of 38 to March of 39. So it was about nine, eight or nine months. And second of all, the Sudetenland was a very mountainous region that was going to be impossible for tanks and the military to get over. And once they brought that into the Reich, they could just then move their move their military assets onto the flatlands of Czechoslovakia, which is what they did in March of 39. Right, but that's so exactly what's going different. on in Ukraine. The Dnieper River doesn't have any bridges, right? Because there's a bunch of communists, right? The communists, like, well, we need to one the bridge. Uh, multiple competing bridges as capitalists. So there aren't any bridges over the Dnieper, right? And there's a bunch of dams. And so like between Dnipro and Kiev, there's six bridges. When, if he's gonna, if, if Putin is gonna conquer the stuff west of, of the Dnieper or east of the Dnieper river, that's like the Sudetenland, right? But if he's moving his heavy forces uh, to the west of the Dnieper, that's like taking over the whole of Czechoslovakia. And well, let me let, let, let me let me assume you're right. Ed. Let's say you're right. And let's say that he does intend to invade Poland and Romania and all these other Western countries. I am all for the breakup of NATO. NATO is not serving American interests. The Western Europeans need to start defending themselves, arming themselves and fighting their own wars. It is not our job to fight them. And if this helps disintegrate NATO, if this is aimed at NATO, good. We need to break up NATO. We need to withdraw from NATO almost as fast as we need to withdraw from the United Nations. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, say this before. Yeah. It goes back to Washington's farewell address. He said to stay out of these permanent uh, alliances and entanglements and, and extending them. And that's exactly what we've done. We didn't heed our founding father, our greatest American hero. And this is a big Look, reason why, why we are where we are. NATO served its purpose at the time after World War II, during and after. We can go now, back to point, don't need uh, it. American intervention in World War I, which not only was unjustified, but ended up tilting the odds in favor of the Western allies, which had all sorts of terrible consequences, including uh, the terrible peace imposed on Germany and thus the rise of Hitler afterwards. And if we could go back in time and stop Woodrow Wilson from violate, from breaking his campaign promise, I would do that in a heartbeat. How about we oh. stop Woodrow Wilson from being born? Although I would die. <laughs> I, I would cease to exist, right? Because it was only uh, because of World War II that I exist. So, um, but we are where we are. We have a treaty obligation with NATO that is signed uh, by the president and ratified by the, uh, by the Senate. That it, it, if you want to advocate to withdrawing from NATO, I think that would be, you know, that's something to advocate. But right now we're in NATO. And if the United States government is not going to um, make its reputation worse uh, by breaking promises, the idea that we uh, should just unilaterally abrogate our treaty commitments to NATO is, is, is ridiculous. That would be the end of the United States with as any smidgen of credibility in the world. And I, I don't for what? 
for keeping our word when our word is done constitutionally? You know what? I don't think that's the case. I think that our credibility has already been harmed and it's been harmed because people have made arguments for consistently perpetrating mistakes. I get that you need to keep your word, but if you made a promise and it's the wrong thing to do, the best thing to do is say, okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to get out. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to, for the sake of consistency, keep doing the same dumb thing that I've been doing. And, and since the fall of the Soviet Union, NATO has not had a reason to exist. And pulling away from NATO shouldn't hurt our credibility in any re- fair person's mind. It's only in the globalist mind, the people who want to subjugate the United States to international organizations. Those people are going to say, oh, you know, that that hurts, that undermines the U.S.'s credibility. Well, good. I hope it does for those people. I don't want to be doing what they want us to do. Okay, can I, I want to moderate here a second. Ed M., if I understand your position, it's that we should act as if none of this is happening. It doesn't affect us in any way. And... Just leave it alone. Uh, I I don't think that that's what I said. And I think it's affecting us negatively precisely because it's the Biden administration's goal for it to affect us negatively. No, no, no. It's okay. Another aspect of this. Huh? If you were president, okay, you would be saying this has nothing to do with us. Let's move on. If I were president, I would have said we renounce any intention of putting Ukraine in NATO. Mr. Putin, you have no worries about that. If he then invades, even with, with that threat withdrawn, that's a different story. And I don't know what the world looks like under that situation. Okay, no, but you became president long after um, that happened. You became president- so I became president last week? Oh, a year ago, okay? And he's still been playing the game, we're going to join NATO, not going to join NATO all this time. Yeah, that was what stupid. Do you, what do you do now? Now or a year ago? I mean, I think no. a week what ago. Do you do now, that he, now, now that he invaded Ukraine, based on the fact that NATO stupidly dangled membership in front of him, what do you do? I think, number one, you admit you made a mistake. Number two, you say, let's, let's work out a, a deal and let's try and work out a peace deal recognizing that we made a mistake by trying to force NATO's expansion to the Russian border. And number three, I mean, this is another aspect that we haven't even gotten, you know, I haven't even gotten to yet. The sanctions themselves are, are an attempt by, by the, by the American government by, and by international bankers and the fed and the bank of international international settlements to control the world and to, and to, Use, use a couple of keystrokes on a computer to deplatform people. What Trudeau did in Canada to the truckers, Biden and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the SWIFT system, they're trying to do to an entire country. And if we allow that to succeed, God help us. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it's horrible enough. I mean, we've got a Canadian correspondent today. We can ask him about what, what the situation with the Canadian truckers was. But freezing people's bank accounts for no reason was, was awful. We all objected to it. Well, they're doing it to the entire Russian economy. They're trying to collapse the entire Russian economy. That's the purpose of the sanctions. And I would never want to do that. I would never want to be responsible for that because I, I just, I can't condone that in any way, shape or form. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to literally just trying to clarify. 
Okay. Question. You I got a question. President, you became president in the middle of all this mess. You would call up Putin and say, look, it was a mistake for us to ever dangle NATO membership in front of Ukraine. And can't we all get along? What What would you do when he then attacks Ukraine? I get your, your anti-sanctions. He, he's okay. going to have. So, so, I, so you're, you're saying like two days before the invasion or a week before the invasion? A year before the invasion. What's it? A year before the invasion, okay. you became president. So I tell. So I take that threat off the table, and 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 he still invades. I mean, at that point, I mean, it would because Europe is happened. dangling it anyway. By the way, Europe is the one dangling it. So no, now Europe is be- not. Europe Europe wasn't pushing for it. It was the, the Biden administration that's been pushing for it. Were they um, pushing for it or just okay. using it as some sort of a leverage? I don't know. Biden's been president for well, let's a change year. The, let's change the moving NATO. We've been moving NATO eastward for 30. For so, 30 years. That's well, true. Okay. Let, let's so change the question. It's president. 20 years from now, and the Mexicans and Chinese have a mutual defense pact, and the Chinese have put, um, you know, Chinese troops, uh, you know, in, in Tijuana and uh, Cuidad Juarez. And, right. And, and 20 years from now, none what of y'all are going to have any hair. Look, look, yeah, I'm not going to have any hair. Yeah, exactly. And you're Sorry, president. I'm looking what? at all y'all's heads right now. <laughs> what do you do? They've I voluntarily the shaved, Gina. I actually have a full head. <laughs> They've Sorry, landed the troops in Guadalajara <laughs> and they're moving north towards the border to set up camp. What do you do as the American president? You invade, just like Putin invades. Okay. Well, first That's of all, what I said there were no American troops or NATO troops or any troops other than Ukrainian in U- Ukraine. But So let's stop that. So now you're Poland. And Russia, historical enemy, is moving large amounts of troops towards the Polish border to do the same thing that in this hypothetical the Chinese are going to do. And now you're the president of Poland. What do you do? You hit them. You have to. Okay. So what I'm hearing, okay, Ed, what I'm hearing Ed M say is okay, but that's still none of our business. Let Europe deal with Europe. Yes. To a I point. agree with that, M. I'm not agreeing. I'm trying to clarify everybody's positions here. Yeah. And Ed M's position is Europe is Europe's problem. Um, are there going to be any negative effects? We could talk about that, but Europe is Europe's problem. Ed P, I, I hear you're saying because of our commitment to NATO, it's not going to end that way. Is that what you're saying? But if we had no commitment to NATO, you would agree? If we had no commitment to NATO, none at all, you know, um, but we still had the sort of same sort of leadership that we have nowadays. Obviously, if we were a libertarian utopia, things would be different. But if we had the same sort of oligarchic leadership we have today, um, we'd still get involved, just like we got in World War okay, One. Like and I'm trying to clarify here. So Ed Maslish is president, and you are his national security advisor. Okay. And you would say, Mr. President. I advise you to just stay out of this, let Europe be Europe and let them do what they're going to do. Is that pretty correct? I think the best thing the American president could do now and under a Maslish administration is to try to negotiate some sort of peace. uh, And it would require um, swallowing a lot of bitter pills. Um, But basically it would involve recognizing Russian sovereignty over Crimea. So I'm going to ask you a question. How did America get involved? What, what is it our business to make peace? Nobody's 
Well, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt negotiated peace between Japan and Russia in the Russo-Japanese War. I don't think I don't think peace uh, helping to negotiate peace is is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think it just makes you if you look at Egypt and the reason canal situation, you have uh, you you have um, outside of Israel, Egypt got received the most in foreign aid, and also end up um, sponsoring and paying for all that type of radicalism that came out of Egypt. But why, why can't United Europe States make its own peace in Europe? Why do they even need us? Let them go somewhere else. Because we're busy every bodies. time there's a European war, the United States gets dragged into it. But we're not doing that anymore. We're under President Maslisch. We're not getting dragged into wars. And you even said all of this started because we got dragged into World War I. Let's let Europe be Europe. Yep. Exactly. In principle, I think Take Europe, Europe again. I think in principle, I think that's a, a, a noble ideal. I just think it's not, it's never worked before. I don't see it's how it's going to work now. Has it never worked before because we can't stay out? In other words, if we would not have joined World it, War One, besides- it it, Look, if we were Guatemala- we No, no, it worked we, for a hundred years between the Napoleonic Wars and World War One. There weren't any wars between Napoleonic Wars and World War One, and well, we got because, dragged because we into let, the Napoleonic Wars. Well, th there were a couple of wars, but for the most part, the European powers worked things out amongst themselves. You had the Crimean War, you had the Franco-Prussian War, you had a few wars, but for the most part, they worked things out. They figured out how to get along. Well, the this is the bottom line is until we are not dependent on those European countries, we're always going to get dragged into it. That's well, the bottom line. Dependent on them. We're dependent on them for our fuel. What do you? I think you guys misunderstand the position of the United States. Suppose we we're a libertarian utopia and we we had a twenty-five trillion economy, and you know we had. We had free banking, but lots of money, and we had lots of rich people and lots of poor people. And, you know, I, there's just no way. There's, it's just no way. To, the world is too interconnected. So a, a large does it have war to, would drag we, us we could, in. We could easily be fully energy independent. True. And why should the world drag us in? Well, that's what I'm saying. Until we are fully energy independent, we're using our own oil. It's like, what's the point of the flipping sanctions? Because we still have they to pay them for our oil. Us. They attack us. Suppose we're neutral, right? We're neutral. We want to trade with, let's say, uh, Poland, and we want to trade with Russia. Well, what happened in World War One? Uh, again, not that we should have gotten in there. Is we, we were, you know, we were trading with England, and so uh, the German submarines uh, destroyed our our trade because it was a legitimate military target that dragged us into the war. That's what happens when you're giant. Guatemala didn't get dragged into World War I because Guatemala is insignificant. But if you're giant, the United States, richest country in the world, and want to just, oh, we're just neutral, we trade with everyone, you just get dragged into it. I mean, it, it, there's no way you can trade with anyone, with everyone, in the middle of a general war, a general European well, war. But even take your World, I, World War I analogy. The problem with World War I was less the intervention and more Wilson's insistence on trying to control the peace. I mean, if uh, we just well, go in, I, mean, punch, I, I don't want to relitigate World War One. Obviously, Wilson was bad in all aspects. So let's just say that. But our, our being dragged I was, in. I'm saying for your example right now, if, if we get dragged in, OK, so we go in, we throw a few punches, we defend ourselves and we get the hell out. We don't try and dictate the peace. We don't issue our 14 points. We don't insist on a League of Nations. We say. Do it again and we'll bomb you again or we'll beat you again, but get the hell away from us. I just, that's not how wars go. Anymore. Okay, 
So, Ed P., are you saying that it would be wonderful if we could stay isolated, but it's not possible in today's world? I am saying it's wonderful that if we could uh, follow Washington's diktat to not get into foreign alliances, uh, but it wouldn't matter when we're the biggest and strongest country in the world, and we would get dragged in anyhow. In this particular thing, if we want to avoid a general European war, we have to be involved in trying to, ma uh, to make peace. Now, that's not what Biden's doing. Biden's an idiot and Kamala's an idiot and Blinken's a warmonger and they're all idiots. But what we should do is try um, to broker some sort of peace between the Ukrainians that at least makes Western Ukraine free and at least uh, keeps the Russians out of Western Ukraine. Because if the Russians go into Western Ukraine, it's World War III. I tell you they're right They're already now. in Western Ukraine. No, they're not. What do you mean they're not? They're bombing Kiev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiev, Kiev straddles the Dnieper, but, you know, okay, there are a few miles. They are in Western Ukraine. Look you at mean, the damn map. They're not in Western Ukraine. I've been studying the Ukrainian map for quite a while. All right. I will throw up the map here because I, I insist upon having an actual discussion with facts. You mean Kiev, right? Kiev. Well, yes, Kiev is Kiev. how pronounce it in Ukraine. Still Ukrainian <laughs> as of today. Oh God! First of all, it's not pronounced Kiev in Ukrainian. It's pronounced Kiev, but that's another story. No, it's pronounced Kiev. Yeah, it, it's Kiev. Kiev. It's two Kiev. syllables. Oh, there you go. Ed, Ed is totally taking over the screen. Very small. Syllables. All right, all right. So here's the Dnieper. Starts up here, goes around here. Yes, the Russians are in this area here. I say if the Russians go past this, this area here, let's get the more European map. If the Russians go past kind of the Zumertir, Venetia West, it's just too threatening to Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, and Romania. It's just, they'll go, they'll go apeshit. I realize that Hungary and Romania are protected by the Carpathians, but the, the Poles are very, very sensitive about Russians. Uh, Why don't we say to the Poles, look, you're on your own if you do it. We don't think you're in any danger. And if you feel you got to fight, fight. But you can't drag us into a war. I, I, I tend to think that's true. Um, I, I, I'm, and good luck to them if that's what they do. Um, but you'd have to be naive to think that we wouldn't be dragged into a war. I'm telling you. Oh, and by the way, Moldova over here, um, and our correspondent from Moldova is surprisingly not here with us today. It's not surprising. He's doing what he's usually doing, and I'll leave that to your imagination. Anyway, Moldova over here is uh, also, you know, in the Russian, um, in that article in the Russian. So I, if I were the people in just now, I wouldn't um, be like, ha, 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 there's a war over there. Ha, 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 we're neutral. Uh, because he's coming from Moldova too. Moldova, west of the Dnieper. What am I missing here? In the article, I read part parts of. Putin wants to. Yes, he doesn't want east of the Dnieper, and he's already. <laughs> no, no, he wants all of Ukraine, all of Belarus, and all of Moldova. Okay. The historical Russian nation. That's what he said. That's all of this, and we get another. And, you know, I, I, I he didn't I'm say sure the Baltic. Lithuania isn't historical Russian nation either. But yeah, well, I don't know. It's it's hard. It, it, that one. I don't know what he thinks. He didn't say that. But we're going to get an Iron Curtain right down this line here. And it's going to be a disaster, especially well, it if it's a gets disaster a if everybody would just say there's an Iron Curtain. There's got to be a line somewhere. Draw the line there. The point is, otherwise, 
It I just, think we would all prefer the line of Russia to be over here and the line of NATO to be over here. I think we all would prefer that. Not, okay. Except for Biden and the warmongers. What gives the United States the right to say to Putin, we'll get the whole world to behave if you take only half of a country which doesn't belong to us? Well, I don't necessarily think that's what we dictate. But I have a feeling that that's what's going on. Well, if we're negotiating, we're doing what Chamberlain did. We'll give you this if you leave us alone, but it's not ours to give. No, what we do is facilitate negotiations. We don't dictate terms. We make the we we try to make the Ukrainian president see the writing on the wall. And we try to make the Russian president see the writing on the wall. How can we be an honest broker at this point, Ed? No I'm talking about happen. the Maslish administration. The Biden okay. administration is hopeless. <laughs> All right. I, I, you know, of course, the Bi- whatever the right thing is, Biden will do the wrong thing. But, you know, whatever. But I, I and that's why we're going to get into a general European. Okay, so bar. since we're not arguing enough, do you guys believe in this whole war crimes idea that you can kill people in a certain way, but you can't in a certain way, and you can kill 100,000 people, but if you use a vacuum bomb, that's crossing the line, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, do we have a line with that, not only geographically, but don't you dare use A, B, and C? I think that there are things that shouldn't be used, but again, I think that there's so much propaganda going on. You know, Putin is being made out to be uh, a war, uh, a war criminal, but I don't think that's the case. I think there's lots of examples of him showing restraint. I don't think that he's. I mean, there are instances in the last day or two where he's targeting civilians, and yeah. you know that's not that's not a good thing. But he's not don't carpet think, bombing cities. He's not just destroying. I, I don't what, think Putin is showing started? restraint. I think he's showing military incompetence. What they did in Grozny. Um, was they tried what they're doing. They tried what they tried, you know, here in, in Ukraine, like sending light forces in and hoping they'll just surrender. And when that didn't work, they methodically reduced the city block by block using heavy artillery. The Russian army is an artillery army. Yes, it has tanks. Yes, it has uh, infantry. Yes, it has rockets and planes. And all. It's all primarily artillery. Their, their doctrine is to slowly destroy by artillery any opposition. And that's what they're starting to do now in day seven in Kharkov. I, I realize, you know, once war starts, all the plans are out the window, but I have a hard time believing that he didn't game plan this whole thing out. Uh, oh, no. He I'm absolutely right, I'm right, I'm you right got to understand that I, I have maybe read five articles and watched zero television uh, from, the, uh, from the mainstream media at all. I'm only getting this from people on the ground that have been uh, vetted by people I trust. Um, I mean, are we supposed to believe what Sean Hannity has been peddling the last couple of days? I have days? no idea that's, what Sean Hannity's okay, well, been peddling, and I trying, wouldn't believe it. Oh, okay, but he's trying to say his sources are saying that Putin's gotten irrational, he's acting you know, crazier than he ever has, and well, you can you know, trying to make him out to be- You can see that on the video. That, well, that's, Marco Rubio is well, saying, by the way, the Israelis are saying he's terminally ill, but be that as it may, this having been caught I mean, up- no, you can see that on the video. I've seen okay. plenty of videos of Putin in the past, and if he, he is not behaving the same way, even okay. though I don't if, know Russian. If he's going off the rails, what are the chances of him being overthrown by his own people? I think it's good, actually. I think it's good. I think there's a great chance if, if he gets bogged down, you know, two, four weeks, these yeah. sanctions start biting. Well, I think there's a good chance he'll be overthrown. Getting back to 
Steve's question earlier about what we should do. I mean, obviously, we're we're sending arms in there. The Europeans, we're, we're all we're sending arms. In I don't think the United States is sending any arms. No, I mean, but Europe, Europe definitely is sending arms. Yeah, we're sending arms to Europeans. So, Europeans are sending them in there. Okay, but Europe I mean, is sending arms, and Russia could turn around and say that's an attack by NATO if you wanted to. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to when we were in Iraq, and the Iranians were obviously arming the insurgency against us. We had every right, in my opinion, at that time to strike at them and we didn't. Um, I just want I just want to um, add in uh, some uh, assistance to the point that uh, Ed Mazel was making. Um, George Kennan, uh, a famous uh, diplomat and historian, had argued against the idea of expansion of NATO, of NATO to to the Ukraine. So this is something that was warned. Uh, yeah. And, uh, obviously oh, yeah, it's insanity. I think it was done. On, I think the offer was made under Bush the younger um, after uh, Russia invaded Georgia. Well, he saw Putin's soul. So we know we were in good hands at that time. Well, at least he wasn't toe to toe. I have a question. I mean, it's really the dumb question is what in the world was NATO doing after 1991? And why did anybody put up with it other than it's a job factory to give billions of dollars to people who do nothing? There's a famous saying that uh, there's a famous story that the um, that uh, the British uh, created an office of something like uh, to provide oil to lighthouses back in like 1790, and this part of the and and it was abolished in 1973. And I think that the story goes is these bureaucracies are self-perpetuating. NATO is a giant bureaucracy that's self-perpetuating. And the idea of dissolving it never occurred to the bureaucrats. I mean, we were talking about letting Russia join NATO at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. And I think that would have been a good idea. I, I don't even, I don't, I mean, come on, how dumb do we have to be? Yeah. Well, I don't know whether so, that's necessarily dumb. I think the the point is, if you're going to have you're NATO at dumb. all, you if your enemy is on your alliance and you don't have an alliance and chuck it. What, well, <laughs> Russia is only our enemy now because we kept treating them right. Poking the bear. Poking but the bear. It would have been part of NATO. By definition, NATO has no use. That, that's just so, definition. So here, here's the thing, too. I'm wondering, we really want to see an insurgency there now. I mean, obviously, our country, we've gotten involved in some wars we shouldn't have gotten involved with. Um, you know, in, in Iraq, obviously, there was an insurgency. So is it the best possible situation for there to be a long period of insurgency in Ukraine? Uh, is, it, is it worse to get to a point where Putin feels like he's losing and he's in a corner and he's really going to do something irrational? I'm just trying to think this through as <laughs> to what we really would like okay, to but happen at, at this point. Going back to President Maslisch's point, why is that our problem? Well, okay. listen, I, I giant. You know, I'm, I'm always torn on this question of I don't want to say isolationist, but neutrality, and okay. understanding the history of World War II and what Hitler did, which is always going to be top of mind. If you let Putin continue to be an aggressor, and we're out of the picture, and Europe isn't going to be able to stand up to him, I mean, where does he end up? Well, Stephen, Mike, there's actually a simple answer to your question, Steve. It's our business because Putin said he was green lighting the, the nuclear button. And when Biden was not asked about us, that. Not against us. I mean, 
Well, who do you think it's against? I don't think he's going to do against anybody, his own people or his own neighbors. He's threatening. He's threatening the United States when he says that. Well, and And if he wants to maintain that property or that area over there, why would he nuke it? Exactly. The, the, the nuclear option was aimed at us. No, and only if, if, only if, if I had been in our own business. Look, I don't I think been, we should attack I Russia. If I, God's sake. If I, that's crazy. What? I don't think we should attack Russia on Russian territory. No, that's crazy. Even if we fought in Ukraine, he would, he would keep open the nuclear option. But Mike, to your point, I mean, obviously I have strong feelings about World War II being Jewish. But we don't really care that people are butchering Uyghurs, and we didn't care that people were butchering people in Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're perfectly willing to sleep at night when all that goes on. So, what are, are we, we egalitarian, Stephen? I'm sorry. Are we egalitarians? Do we believe that every uh, person or every culture is the same? This is Europe, and we like Europe because Europe is civilized. Yes, enjoy. <laughs> I mean, that's enjoy the Bay- basic idea. Am I saying something that anybody disagrees with? And, and people like Joy Behar want to vacation there so you know i I agree with that ed but the problem is europe is not (laughs) pulling its own weight europe is not willing to stand up for itself europe we don't need to be the you know europe's welfare daddy or welfare mommy i mean this is where this is where trump was dead right about a lot of this stuff you know he he knew nato was a joke the fact that that they were importing the gas from russia into germany Mm -hmm. and enriching them was just utter stupidity and so they're largely again to blame for what what they've created. I'd be like to the conspiracy theorist person here just for a second, but I I think there's more going on that we have no idea about. So like these missiles that have been sent into Kiev, not Kiev, um, but into Kiev, um, <laughs> they've been off quite a bit. And when I see that. I, it's like he's putting up some kind of smoke screen, like there's something else that's happening. Do we think that their military technology is that far behind ours? Like, honestly. We do like, now. Yes, we do now. Absolutely. Do you not, do you not think that's maybe a smoke screen and that he's sending that in to say, hey, they don't have crap? Honestly. Uh, they have very good missiles and very few of them, and they don't want to. And, and I and don't know that they have people who are well-trained enough. You give the same planes to two different combatants, and one beats the dickens out of the other because they're better trained. So I don't know if it works that way either. I really don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I think there's a lot more going on, and I think he's got a lot more in the bag. I don't want to underestimate the guy. Like, who... When he was going into this, you know, he sat down and said, okay, financially, this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to do. And this is what they're going to do. I, I don't think See, that's true at all, Gene. I, I, I'm sorry. I thought from the data, I, I thought I was the, the conspiracy data theorist seen. because I, I'm the one saying this is all about making a war on Western Europeans and making a war on Americans. The sanctions I, I'm more are with, I'm more with you, Mr. Ed. Ed M. I'm with you. I'm your one of your cabinet members, dude. Let's go. The, Let's ride. The price, the price of food, the price of food and the price of Oil and, and natural gas is, is skyrocketing, mm. and that is going to hurt people in the West and in America. See, Look, I, I certainly agree that the sanctions are going to be bad for everyone, Russia and the United States. But as far as the Russian military, this being some ploy, there is way too much first person now, first person evidence. I'm not talking about Sean Hannity. I'm not talking about CNN. I'm talking about videos that you can actually watch of the Russian army behaving bizarrely of them abandoning uh, perfectly good of vehicles. I've seen, right. so, well, the, the, what, okay. I've seen so, so many vehicles. And then they're interrogating uh, Russian prisoners, mostly conscripts, 
We're like, A, we were never told we were going to war. B, our, uh, you know, platoon commanders, company commanders don't know what they're doing. C, we have no support. And then the next, all of the tactical comms for the units are Get on- their cell phones and all that are, stuff. Are on, uh, are on VHF and, and HF and are being intercepted by an army of, you know, um, independent people being put on the internet, transcribed and, and converted into English. You can read, they're totally confused. They have no idea what they're doing. They're using just radio, they're, they're communicating via Radio Shack radios, basically. That it, they actually picture of them. It wasn't exactly Radio Shack, but you get my idea. That it's, it's an entire mess. Now, can the Russians come back? Of course they can. They're very good at, at, at adapting. But when you have a 40 mile long traffic jam with all the tanks in the front and all the gasoline in the back, which is true, and you have the uh, you have the Ukrainians attacking the gasoline in the back and the supplies in the back with javelin missiles, and the tanks are running out of gas. The people are deserting. It's a complete catastrophe. No one planned for this. Ukraine, uh, uh, Putin didn't plan for this. Putin planned to drive into Kiev, throw Zelensky into the into prison, replace him, and drive the hell out. And that is absolutely not what happened. There was no plan for the Ukrainians to fight back. They're, they're replacing the signs. Did you see that was just right now? They're replacing all the signs that show, you know, this town this way, this town this way, this town. They're taking down signs, they're replacing it. And most of the, the, the signs are <laughs> being written over. I've seen like four or five of them written over with, uh, let's just call us family podcast, oh. vulgar uh, Russian slogans. So like, what about the people, this is the other part of the conspiracy. So what about the people that think that Putin is being used, kind of how God used Trump in the United States here, so that he's been raised up to bring out the evil that's in Ukraine. Well, there is evil. Just any Ukraine, thoughts on that? And well, there is evil there is. in Russia. Um, now, the fact that Putin is kind of based on the whole LGBTQ trans wokeness thing um, is to his credit. Um, and that he won't let the European culture, that, that he's anti-cultural Marxist, and the people in Ukraine and all of the West, including the United States, especially in the United States, are pro-cultural you know, cultural Marxism. Um, so that's to his credit. But that doesn't mean that he gets to invade another country just because its, it, it's president is uh, uh, promoting LGBTQ stuff. I, I, I'm sorry. That's just not that's the way That's not why he's invading. That's yeah, not right. That's invading. right. And he's not invading. Orban's base, too. But uh, according to what I understand, his COVID policies were just as horrendous as any other uh, dictatorship, right? Or just like the West as well. Unfortunately, we've become dictators. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move back from Russia to Canada. Since can they see each other from uh, Canada to Russia? Is that only Alaska? <laughs> yeah. Canada's more of a dictatorship. I, mean, I know it's very, very old news because it happened more than a week ago. But what are your thoughts on the trucker convoy? Did they accomplish stuff? Didn't they accomplish stuff? Where's Trudeau heading? Is he surviving? Is he in bad shape? What's going on? Well, I, I think that what's happening is the PPC is picking up a lot of support by a lot of people that I've noticed um, that um, in terms of the polls, uh, the, the polls seem to show Bernier is very, very popular. This is when I look at like CTV or any of these polls that, they, that I've seen. Um, also, it's, it's interesting with, uh, with a lot of the, uh, like the Charles Star, which is our incredibly leftist, you know, it's like a red star. It's basically, a, it's really left. And they do like a poll on the masking. And 
most, or, or uh, sorry, the, um, which just as of yesterday, they've ended the um, uh, mandates for uh, vaccines. And um, they had three questions and then there's a fourth that I don't know, right? So it's like, uh, but the, the main questions were, do you believe that we should lift these uh, mandates and allow for people to go into restaurants and bars and, and gyms and stuff? And a lot of people would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's like 74 75% said yes, right? And uh, so that's, and that's what the Toronto Star. So a lot of these polls and a lot of the people that are going on these, um, these websites where you would think that it's mainly leftists that are going on there are actually in support of ending the mandates. So I think that I, I have a lot of, you know, leftist friends, I used to at least, and um, they, it was like a COVID, the whole COVID issue became like a big separating issue, you know, so there is, but I think it's a lot of people are willing to speak up now as a result of the truckers going in to Ottawa and uh, a lot of support. We've also had a lot of grassroots uh, support since I guess April or May of uh, 2020. That's when the COVID, the anti-lockdown protests started the, uh, at, at Queens Park. And there's a, a, like a variety of different groups from like religious groups to just um, mothers against masking to just all these sort of separate groups getting together, very grassroots and going down, I've gone to, you know, to them as well. And I've noticed that there's, it's a very grassroots movement. It's very polite. It, it's really, really nice. I, I haven't met Chris Skye. He's the kind of infamous guy in Canada. Um, and he's, he's an incredibly great speaker, but not philosophically astute. I mean, I had a, a difference of opinion on um, online with him about him supporting a, a, a particular group of people that wanted, uh, to use their platform of their group uh, for getting Chris to say, we support uh, reparations. And it's like, why did you say, I, uh, if you wanted to say it yourself, that's one thing, but to get your, say, we agree, it was a big bad move on his part. But so philosophically, I think he tends to, he's, I think he's maybe a learning, a learning curve for him. But there's a lot of people I think that are now galvanized to, to fight against, um, I guess you could say the leftist agenda or the greater globalist agenda in Canada. And I think the PPC is here to stay. I think this is, this is sort of a movement that's um, sparked uh, differences. Even with the Conservative Party, you have Pierre Polyev so finally coming out and saying stuff. But for the last two years, he's been, he's been mute, mute, right? He's been, said nothing. He sounds really great on economic issues. I think, my God, he's probably read Mises and Hayek and others. And, but he just sticks with economic issues. And finally, he's starting to talk about more, you know, cultural issues and more, you know, broader uh, issues. And that's, that's good. But of course, I, I'm definitely a Bernie guy and I, I'm sticking with the PDC. When I ask a couple questions, um, for yeah, those yeah. of us who know nothing about Canadian politics, when is there, when are there elections on a national level? Um, mm -hmm. Two, when Parliament had a chance to vote for or against Trudeau, they, they voted about 180 to 150 for Trudeau. Is there yeah. any truth to the fact that a lot of people, if not the majority in Canada, opposed the truckers? And are the truckers being crushed in the sense that their stuff is frozen and they're losing jobs and licenses? And what's happening with that? Well, they did get funding. Um, I, I know that they've had uh, outside funding from the states. Um, 
And so that uh, it is frozen as far as I know, the last uh, update I received was that the, the monies, uh, are the their bank accounts are still frozen. Um, there's, I can't remember her name, she's still in jail as far as I know. She hasn't been uh, released on bail yet. Um, and there's, um, but in terms of, um, you know, Bernier, uh, it's, it's I, I, I know that uh, the PPC, our position is that, you know, from what all the indicator polls indicate is that Canadians are still on the left of the political spectrum, you know, um, overall. But I think it's changing because these, um, with, with the, um, with the, I think with this, with the um, COVID and the farce of knowing that um, the actual uh, getting the vaccine, and I'm not vaxxed, I would, I mean, vaxxed for other stuff, but sure as hell not for this, um, it, it doesn't have any effect. And, um, you know, so there is, I think there is a lot more people waking up to it. I think it's um, just Canadians are, are very um, shy about their political views. Um, not like Americans who are very um, a, a voice first, you know, voicelet. Um, they're willing to speak their mind. They're, they're not the type of people to, to um, mince words and they're willing to come out, come out and say things, but Canadians are very polite. And um, they just generally, generally go along. But I, I actually think that this has changed and, and this is showing in, in the poll numbers. I mean, I, when I ran for the, um, the PPC in Toronto Danforth, which is Jack Layton's riding. So it's heavily left. Um, there's a liberal that, that's uh, holding that, that seat right now in parliament. But I mean, I, I'm used to getting only a couple hundred votes, right? I got over a thousand, I beat the Green Party candidate and then I started getting uh, threats on Twitter. So I had to ban somebody pretty well off the bat, um, trying to just, just really um, voice for So when I'm getting, you know, you start getting threats, I guess, you know, you're, you're, you're on the, you're, 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 you're right over the target. So um, yeah, I think, I really think that Bernier is, is picking up steam in, in Toronto. I mean, I did relatively well I mean, beat out the Green Party candidate, and that's in, in a heavily NDP riding. And I'm noticing a lot of people that are, oh, are a lot of Green Party people have actually joined. That's another thing, too. They've actually joined the PPC. So I think that there's, um, and this is something that was recently mentioned on Rebel News, um, that, um, that um, there's, Ezra Levant was saying he's seeing a lot of people that are of, of left of left of the political spectrum, specifically Green Party type people, joining the you know the freedom movement. So I actually think that um, we're going to pick up. And there's new parties in Ontario. I know the Freedom Party. I'm with the Freedom Party, but there's a lot of smaller parties they're joining that are um, that have very strong um, leanings towards liberty. And so this is this is really good. I mean, in the sense of there's a lot of people starting to speak out. Um, so that's that's the situation. Canada you think you think well. Canada is trending in a good direction? Absolutely, overall, and it's you know it, it had to get really bad. And Trudeau is is he doubles down on everything. There's no what can you say? I mean, he's absolute evil. What really bothers me is you know the conservatives. When the I guess this is great for the PPC, but the conservatives they sideline like Pierre Polyev was like kicked out of. Um, uh, Andrew Shear, like he, he was never really um, 
respected at all in the conservative party. And he, you know, he may have some, um, he may have some, maybe some uh, traction now, but we'll see. I mean, I, I actually think a lot of conservatives are going to be so disillusioned. They just passed a bill recently in support of like these um, right, radical trans, you know, the transgender, these, the radical issues surrounding that, the cultural Marxist issues, they sort of be, they're really big on. Um, you, you have um, members of the, of the World Economic Forum in the both the Conservative Party and the Liberal Party. So um, Michelle Rumpel, she's, uh, she's a member. Um, and um, Christina Freeland, she's um, a, a, a board of trustees. She's on the trustee board of trustees with the World Economic Forum, very, very close to Soros. And um, so I think with the bad, that's another thing with the bad press with regard to the World Economic Forum. And I mean, how can you deny it with SEPI uh, being, uh, which is the uh, Coalition of uh, Epi uh, uh, Epidemic um, Preparedness Innovations uh, that was, you know, founded by Gates and released in 2017 at Davos. And you have all this, these coalitions of all these governments getting involved in, in this sort of um, this push for the vaccine, these push for lockdowns. And um, I think that a lot of people will see this and they will join uh, the BBC and we'll start seeing a, a movement, um, which I think is really good. And there's a lot of great um, talent in the PPC now. And it, a, lot, a lot organized, I get emails every day, you know, people wanting to join and um, I have a meeting tonight. So <laughs> we're, uh, I think we're going full speed ahead. And Want to start, start wrapping up? We got tons of subjects we never got to cover today. I could even list about 10 of them, but Gina, since you started it, Winners and losers, but you gotta be. Um, 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 yeah, I'm on. Um, I think my losers going to be definitely Biden from last night's speech, and then uh, him getting caught today on the mic, getting asked about Ash Wednesday, and uh, one of the reporters called him on about being Catholic, yet um, being very pro-choice, and Jill Biden having to escort him and say, "Babe, that's not gotta go." Um, so he wants to say something stupid. So he's definitely um, the biggest loser. And of course, I'm going to give DeSantis the win again because well, he's so based. I love him. Yeah. So that's all I got. Gina, do you have any uh, translation of what go get him means? Of what? What? The last three words of the great speech last night. You didn't hear that. Tell me what you just said one more time. Go get her. At the very end of the speech, Joe Biden off uh, prompter said, go get him. Well, maybe he was referring to Larry the Cable Guy. You're done. I have no idea. I got nothing. Okay. I'm, I must have missed that part. God, I didn't even okay. listen to the speech and I caught that part. Mike, <laughs> Mike, you want to do winners and losers? No, but I have other stuff. <laughs> okay, we'll get to other stuff in quick. You're my, you're my winner this week, Steve, for being oh, a terrific host. Come on. And, come get, on. and getting our live streams going uh, with, without a glitch. Not what you said before. <laughs> Madam, before we get to the stuff we didn't talk about, you want to do a quick winner and loser? Winners, I would say, I would say the winner is the international oligarchy, the world, the global reset people, uh, the people that that have created this narrative that Putin is a demon and that you, Ukraine is a bastion of democracy that needs to be defended at all costs. It's an utter lie. It's an utter fiction of what the reality is. 
but they've been able to make everybody believe it. Uh, loser, I would say, would be Biden. I thought last night's speech was awful. Um, and relating to the whole Ukraine, relating last night's speech to the Ukraine war, another thing that sh showed him to be a loser was uh, Biden, towards the beginning of his speech, said uh, he, he praised the, Ukra the Ukrainian people as if they were winning the war and that their resolute stand was some meaningful uh, historical moment when I don't know who was writing his speech for him, but even last night, it was it's it seems clear to me that the tide has turned towards the Russian side and it's going to be it looks to me like it's going to be a, a Russian victory and Biden is going to look like another like he's a complete moron, which I guess is sort of par for the course for him. But he already looks uh, at. Yeah, well, I yeah. think the ministry, I mean, I, the ministry of Truth is going to fix that for him like they did with who solved COVID. It's not, it's not necessarily going to be a victory if it turns into a quagmire. You know, that, that's, that's the big question. My right? personal view is I think this whole quagmire thing is is just part of this false narrative. I think the Russians are winning and I think that they're going to win. And I don't think that they're looking to move into Poland or any of these other places. I think it's all just propaganda and false demonization of Putin, who may not be a good guy, isn't a good guy. He's yeah, still a dictator himself, but yeah. he is being grossly misrepresented in the, in the press and, and well, by the U.S. government. Today. As, as always, our media is completely, um, you know, not honest and not telling the truth, the whole story of the history of the last 30 not, years, not 30 honest. years now. It's but I, I did, I did have two things I wanted to say. I mean, we talked a lot, a lot about China and Taiwan and how this could impact that. But you know, my eyes are more on Iran, honestly, because you're talking about a country that's been after the bomb. Uh, God only knows how close they are to it now. And, you know, we're, we're here discussing what our involvement should be in these world affairs and, and these now, you know, war in Ukraine and everything like that. And I don't know how we can continue to sit on the sidelines and do nothing while the mullahs in Iran try to get a bomb. And, uh, you know, if we think Putin is crazy and he's off the rails and you know, doing what he's doing right now. Uh, Lord only knows what the uh, Iranians would be capable of when they get the bomb. Um, and the other thing is I formally uh, want to submit my application to the Mad Maslis administration for energy <laughs> secretary. <laughs> well, you know, I think this makes me the real winner of the week because I'm going to have one hell of a cabinet. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the left likes to always play these games on us of how it's our patriotic duty to pay our taxes and all that stuff. Well, you know what? It's now the Enviro nut, uh, uh, you know, it's their obligation to be patriotic Americans by giving up their Green New Deal ambitions and put America first and open up the Keystone Pipeline and have us become the leader of exporting energy in the world again. You would think- Again, putting, Ameri American, yeah. putting America first. Otherwise they're not patriotic. Our, our deputy they're, prime they're, minister, they're, they're, they're puppets of Putin, yeah. but they're not. Christina Freeland, our deputy prime minister, held up a flag, was holding up a flag, the uh, Ukrainian flag, which, you know, some uh, rumors of, of it being Nazi or whatever. But I mean, just if I just take the, you know, a superficial look at it and say, well, here is our deputy prime minister talk, you know, promoting a, na a nationalism, which is, you know, the, if you, if Canadians, we're proud to be Canadian and proud of the background of Western civilization. Then we're somehow racist and horrible people, but that's, it's perfectly fine. 
for the for our so our, our deputy prime minister promote to promote that it's just insane. This is such a hypocrisy. And Pete, you got a quick winner and loser before. We- well, we can't always say uh, Biden is the loser and um, and DeSantis is the winner. Um, but uh, so I'll go with the winner and loser. Um, the loser is obviously the Ukrainian people um, because they're, you know, having their country invaded. Um, and the winner is the Ukrainian people because they're showing such incredible courage heroism and um, defiance in the face of an invasion by a hostile foreign power. Um, it's, it's hard not to, um, it's hard not to admire them. Um, I, I understand um, that uh, it's not over by the way, I think Ed, Ed is wrong. I think they still have a chance to, to uh, win, uh, beat back the Russians, they've got, just as many men, and if they don't have as much equipment, uh, it'll come down to, um, it, like it always does, infantry taking, uh, standing on ground, and they have just as good as that. I do notice that Putin is a little bit of, or the Ukrainians are a little bit of winner because apparently the Russians tried to attack the uh, regional police headquarters of uh, in Kharkov, but they missed, and what they ended up destroying was the... Um, the university sociology building, which after all, <laughs> that's, that's perfect, right? I mean, that's the, uh, get rid of that sociology building. And I think we're, I think we do that all throughout uh, the West, I think we'd be okay. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think the, don't trust anything the mainstream media is saying, but that doesn't mean there aren't things out there where you can get firsthand uh, accounts of what's going on. And I, I urge you to, uh, to look at that. Okay, I think among the stories that I think are important that we didn't even touch on is there was a Supreme Court nominee from last week, which may or may not be very important. Some people say it doesn't change anything. Who cares? He's a horrible, horrible. uh, She'll be there for 50 years, but, and there's a dispute going on among some pundits over whether the Republicans should bother opposing it or since they're gonna lose, not bother. Will they lose anyway, who knows? The Republicans uh, have control of the Senate, right? So why would they not use it? I, I don't know. It's just an interesting discussion. Also, a Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned the uh, overturning of Act 77, which once again proves that the Constitution blows in the wind. Um, you know, Steve, I read that story and it was ambiguous. The headline and the story didn't exactly correlate or didn't exactly go together. The, the, the headline made it sound like they reversed it, but then the story said it's just they, they, it's just on hold. The law stays in place while the Supreme Court hears the case on appeal and they get to decide it later. Now, I, I'm sure they're going to throw it out the same way they did with their latches nonsense argument in uh, December of 2020. Um, but that was a weird article. Yeah, you know, I find more and more, and I don't have time to read nearly any of the articles that I see. I see hundreds and hundreds of headlines. I read about 20 articles, maybe. But you're right, they do contradict all the time. The other story that I found really, really interesting, just to throw it out there, is one of the truckers in the convoy, Penske, shut off his truck remotely. And I think that for portends uh, just a whole new area of people being canceled, not only being debanked, mm-hmm but your vehicle's cut out from under you. And I know what Liberty Block has written some pretty tinfoil hat stuff in the past, 
but Liberty Block's tinfoil hat two weeks ago is today's reality. So, yeah, actually, that reminds me that another loser for this week, I think, is the American truckers. I mean, what happened to their protest? It never had any message. You know, you had one article that sort of talked about that. Um, it totally fizzled out. Um, I thought we were going to have some big rally. They were going to shut down D.C. They were going to shut down the Super Bowl in February. They didn't do I anything. They, they haven't gotten here talk. yet. I, I didn't huh? think they got here yet. I well, some of them aren't coming to D.C., I believe. They're stopping in Hagerstown, Maryland. But mm. they don't have an issue right now. That's part of the problem. Right. What are they Exactly. What do they want? Where are they going? What are they doing? I mean, it just seems completely disor- disorganized. Uh, you know, I, to me, they, right now they look like losers. Maybe they're going to turn it around and they'll be winners next week. But for right now, they look like losers. And they were well, supposed exactly to be there by March 1st. I mean, although I did, it was an article in the New York Post today explaining the mask and vaccine rules. There's no way I could do it without a three-dimensional chart. Between New York State, New York City, and what's mandatory and what's recommended and what's voluntary and what's this, what's that. I still have no idea if I could buy a beer. Luckily, I don't drink beer. You know, I will say this, too, about the the COVID rules. I have a friend who is pretty apolitical, um, and she she said to me in regard to the to the State of the Union, she's first of all, she didn't she didn't even know that Pelosi had pulled back the the mask rule over the weekend. But then she said, well, well, why were they all separate separated by seats and trying to stay apart from each other? And then as soon as it ended, they're all in each other's face. It was an obvious lie. And this is someone who's not interested in politics very much at all. Our interests are not political at, at all. And she noticed that. And she said, those people don't look like good people. So that was a heartening yeah. thing to hear. Which shows how well the press has hidden that exact hypocrisy for two years. Maybe. I mean, you know, the Super Bowl, how many people were wearing masks and they were all a bunch of rich liberals out there. Et cetera, et cetera. No one was wearing a mask. No one was wearing a mask, yes. And once again, I saw DeSantis somehow got like 10 people in a room today, but I thought every in Florida had died of COVID. So he must have imported them or something. Biden hostels. Okay. Anybody yeah. want to make any other quick comments before we wrap up? Thanks for joining us, Wayne. I'm I'm delighted. Yeah, thank it. you very much, Steve. Thanks everyone. I, I you know, Mike and and I, I really uh, I really enjoyed this. And Gina, uh, she left. <laughs> yeah, she had to, had to go. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate this. I really enjoyed this uh, nope. this format. And I, I hope I can come back and come again. We love yeah. having opinions and perceptions, and you can teach us a lot about Canada. Hopefully, yeah. Canada will get back to the top of the news once the rest of the world. <laughs> comes back from Armageddon. Yeah, so we can get rid of Trudeau. That's that's the one yes, thing. Yes, we would know. love to get rid of Trudeau. A lot of if we want him over Biden or not, but whatever. <laughs> Folks, we will see you all next week, regular time, Wednesday at four o'clock. We'll be up as a podcast within hopefully about one hour. And thank you very much for joining us. Please send any feedback you may have to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.